Welcome back to Servant Sonic with Lee, the music podcast here. Um, we have a very special guest today. As you can see, Harkness, local musician, local legend, um, has uh, put out a lot of awesome music in the last year and a half. Welcome to the show, Harkness. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah. You having me. Right on. And I was told right before we started to record here, I was told that you're in hustle mode right now. Major hustle mode. I've got, I'm leaving a week today to go to the UK to play three shows, crazy shows. One is a an intimate small one for some friends because I spent a bunch of time in the UK playing music and playing clubs. So I have some old friends there. It's a reunion thing. I haven't been back there for over a decade. And so I'm going to do a small show. And then I'm opening for somebody in Camden for there's 300 tickets sold already. And I don't know whether any more will be. So that's a bigger deal. And then I'm doing a university performance, which is they're calling a master class. So I'm going <laughs> to okay. go there, do my show for students, talk to them, Q&A, tell them how I do what I do in the modern music business and chat to the students. So it's a huge trip. Plus, we're, we're going to be all over the UK filming. Do you know there's a documentary film being made on Harkness? Yeah. I guess we, we can get into that later, but it's, it's a major trip that's coming up in a week. Nice. That's so awesome. So what are uh, some of the, um, I guess, highlights for you that you're looking forward to for the trip? I mean, this student one sounds awesome with the school, but is there anything in terms of tour dates or tour locations that you're really psyched for? Well, hmm, it's interesting because the first show I'm doing, the intimate one, um, via Instagram, I've been able to connect with musicians all over the world. I've got guys from Brazil, like just the most incredibly fucking cool people. And we we exchange music and all sorts of good vibes. So when I put together the show in the UK, I reached out to a handful of UK guys that I knew. Hey, do you want to play on the bill? So I'm going to finally meet these other musicians and play a yeah. show together. So that's a huge highlight. And then um, the university one is is something that kind of gets my butterflies going. Like, I, you know, I'll do I'll do the best I can and kick some student ass and hopefully they'll hopefully they'll get something out of the harkness experience and i think they really will too i'm kind of playing it down but i think that i've been through the mill i've been creative my whole life i've jumped through a bunch of hoops of fire and i'm remaining standing and i think that's what students need to know is that just fucking stick to your guns and and ride the fucking way create the wave that you want to ride and, and you know, don't let anybody stop you yeah, I mean, you've you've already touched on so many things that I'm hoping to speak on today. Um, mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. like your artistic uh, approach, your mm -hmm. experience, like the why now of releasing some of your music, um, this mm -hmm. kind of story of Harkness and, and where you're at now and where you started is, from what I've read online and what I've seen in other interviews, it seems really interesting. It seems like there's a lot to it, so hoping to chat a little bit more about that. Yeah. But before we get... Sure too wild into anything i want to start off with a song right away so people know what we're dealing with because this guy has some right. absolute bangers cool. um and yeah. uh the most recent release that you have this ep called come and get it uh you mm -hmm. released it on september 30th mm -hmm. uh do you have two three sentences on anything about uh come and get it that the listener should know about before we play uh the song that we have uh lined up right now is it come and get it the song that you're about to play we're or? gonna actually play kisses we invent oh interesting yeah okay. we we go oh. off we go off singles on this show <laughs> okay all yeah. right that's cool i mean that whole um 
the next album is going to be like a Harkness jukebox compared to some heavier listening that I've done in the past. A lot of fast and furious tunes. Kisses We Invent is a perfect example. You know, a two minute, what just hit me kind of thing. I want people to go, I got to play that again immediately after they after they hear, hear Little Worldwind. Um, so yeah, fast and furious, tons of energy, tons of color, tons of spirit. That's what we're looking for the whole album. Awesome. Well, let's get right to it then. Kisses We Invent off of Harkness's most recent release, which is the Come and Get a DP. And we'll be back in a second with more Harkness after this. back with Harkness on Service Sonic, the music podcast. So we, we've already talked a lot about um, some of the topics I want to chit chat about, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. So it's time to take mm -hmm. deeper dive. So I know that this album or this EP rather comes after your full length album that you released last year. Yes. August, the occasion. Mm -hmm. So sonically, mm -hmm. what did you do different on Come and Get It that you didn't have a chance to do on the occasion? And where does that, I think you kind of chatted a little bit already about where it's going next. Mm -hmm. um, but how is that the next logical step for Harkness? Hmm. It's interesting. I mean, I would say that the occasion was a bit of a deathbed album, something that I really indulged in and those epic arrangements and long songs, like I just got to get this thing out, but I've written so much through the years and, um, 
there's I love an album like Revolver and all those just just banging them off those tunes. So I've always dreamt of this kind of the the occasion was a major dream, and this is a dream too to just have like a killer killer set of twelve quick tunes that are just like wow. So um, it's just checking off things that I've had in mind. There's much more. I've got a bunch of albums written already in different zones. Uh, for example, you know, uh, Blood on the Tracks and Beck's Sea Change and that. So I've got a Harkness version of the all the ballads and breakups and nice. epic sweeping stuff. I can't wait. That's an album called Get Back to the Get-Go. So yeah. that's years. It won't be out for a little while because I got okay. um, But Chowder the Beauty is, is a lighter ride, maybe to even give the listeners a little breath before the next album, which is going to be Bulldozer, which is going to be another heavy one. I've got, I've been, maybe you'll, you'll be asking about this, but I have been in the dirt here for many years, uh, planting seeds and working on things. So I've got a lot <laughs> germinating, kind of too much, really. Yeah. Well, that's mm -hmm. one thing I think is really interesting about your whole approach to art. And we can kind of go different laneways with this particular part of mm -hmm. what I want to talk about the Harkness experience, but mm -hmm. I think when listening to your music, it's like reestablishing indie, you know, because I think like the, wow. like the indie mm -hmm. name or genre mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. the last 30 years, 40 years mm -hmm. has changed a lot. I mm -hmm. think it's become uh, more of a sound than it is a process. But I think with your, right. mm. your style of music, you're mm. really bringing it back to the process of the DIY, like, what are the weird things I can do to like amp up my, my sound here and to mm -hmm. get a little bit of texture and character to this? Um, mm -hmm. What's your thought on, on stuff like that? Absolutely. I haven't had any um, proactive thinking about, you know, recreating indie or anything like that. I've simply been influenced by mega fucking talented artists who have been bullheaded and singular in their approach. And that's all I've done. And if that's indie, great. Uh, so I've just spent so much time doing stupid things like the intro to um, Chow of the Beauty with the, the water droplets. Exactly. And I could have sampled water. I could have played them easy. I was dropping nickels into a bucket of it had to be ice cold water because, you know, it's got to be refreshing and just being taking forever making these things. But right. just because that's the only way I could. It all has to be the best I can possibly conceive of, whether it's a cymbal smasher or, or water drop and getting those all in time was not easy. And <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, even uh, with uh, like your recording process, for instance, what is that set up like? Is it you just, you know, hold up in your studio in your home studio and doing the thing? Or do you um, have a different kind of take on how you kind of do your thing or? Yeah, I would. I've got a home studio and um, when I before I put together the studio, I researched a little bit and just decided that the most important thing for me was sound quality, um, not having a million tracks, but having three really incredibly sounding mics and, and preamps. So I spent all my money. I only have three channels that I can use. So if I if I have a drum set, I have to rent other gear. But generally, I just have maximum three mics at any session, but they're going through really great gear. Wow. So I've got I've got one 
decent Neumann copy mic and some pencil mics for strings. And I, you do all that. You got to do all the research for whatever you're going to do. So I've got the specific mics for horns and strings, and and really good channels. Um, I guess of rooting or however you do. I'm not overly technical. I mean, I do this. I approach it mostly like a tape recorder. I don't do a, I don't do any samples or drum machines or anything like that or loops. It's just like a tape recorder. And and uh, since I only have three mics, that means I record one instrument at a time and build and build. And often for drums, for example, if I'm playing the drums, I'll start with a, three mics on a kick drum alone with a mallet. Like, right. And then the snare, the three mics sounding great. And so that's how I got to sound like the occasion in my mother's basement, you know? Right. Yeah. It was, it's, it's really, it's easy to do. You can have a pro studio as long as you don't need 10, 15, 20 tracks. And I guess with all the digital ways, um, I mean, it's tough to say a lot of times when I hear modern music, it just sounds like everything's sampled or like everything's just too perfect, the kicks and snares right. and things like that. And um, that's way easier to do. You just need the keyboard and samples, but I'm kind of digressing, but. Yeah, well, like what you what you achieve, have achieved on the occasion, and, and I guess uh, what the process that you're currently employing achieves, yeah, is a more analog, and yeah, uh, yeah. I think there's maybe a more dynamic live sound to that. Um, uh -huh. A snare hit can sound differently three times in a row Absolutely. versus the more synthesized um, approach to drums and just percussion and music production in general these days for sure yeah and and it means everything to me it just means everything to me um string samples versus having these three amazingly strange individuals like with their eyes looking at me i mean it's right. it's a trip the whole path of recording the way i do it is just the most blissful freaky life museum and the tuba guy comes down and right. it, it's so much fun as opposed to like just uh, doing the keyboard thing is just such a bore compared to what you could be doing. Right. And I've heard you talk about, uh, or maybe it was someone interviewing talked about, I can't remember, but it, the uh, language came up mad scientist in your, in your laboratory, right. In the interview before. Right, right. Is that part of the intention? Like is, did you have that vision when setting out to make this studio a bit or, or did that just kind of, you know, come over time? I, I, no intention whatsoever. I mean, I was a guy, uniform or no uniform, right. that just had these sounds in his head and needed to, to do this music. Simple as that, whether, and, and I did it the way that I could afford and, and the process became the process and I love it. It's so much fun. I think if I had a budget, I would love more mics and I would get the contrabassoons and the steel drum. I get them all in a big room. I just can't right now. Um, but wasn't trying to do anything funky or weird. I just, it was a means to an end. It's like, if I want a real tuba and I want it to sound great and I just did what I had to do. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I, I would, I would encourage anybody, anything that you can think of or dream of or want, there's a DIY way. There's a DIY way um, that you can, there's, there's no limits to, what you can create sonically or artistically right. or writing. Like I just, I, I have a lot of fantastic artist friends and some of them in the past have been their own worst enemy or roadblocks to 
to blasting the ceiling off, just no ceiling, you know? Yeah, we, we talk about that all the time on the show about how there's these incredible acts because we review albums from all over the world, but we try to, you know, highlight Canadian acts when we can. Sure. Um, and there's so many awesome musicians that just kind of come out of the face of nowhere or, or come out of nowhere. And, and now they're, you know, the face of whatever review Pitchfork's doing. And hmm. it's awesome to see that sort of, uh, like I said, D- DIY earlier, but there's there's a level of like, I don't know, the perseverance that comes with that. That's like, no, like I'm not going to let SoundCloud dictate if my song blows up, like I'm going to go pedal people on the street and up my mixtape and up my album. I'm going to be the graphic designer of my own poster and we're just going to like do this thing. And uh, I I feel like that's part of the Harkness experience as well, at least right now of like you're all over every little bit of your product. Uh-huh. Um, and you, you influence that. And I think that's something that is honestly yeah. like really endearing for musicians, but I think it's also like, I don't know, there's, there's something, there's something fabric fabricated in a lot of music these days that feels unoriginal or un, un um, mm-hmm. like unauthentic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't say that about Harkness and mm-hmm. the experience of the occasion and, and now this new EP as well. Good. So. Good to hear. Yeah. I'm just um, done share more. That's all I can say. Totally. Like, I mean, it sounds like you got so, so much music backed up, mm-hmm. like can't wait to hear it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you did already reference your, uh, your outfit as you called it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I know people, whenever they see an act that has like a specific brand or a specific mm-hmm. look that they're going for, they're always like, what's the deal with this? But you have actually talked about this before, specifically with the visor mm-hmm. and the reflecting of it and people to be immersed in your music. Mm-hmm. not focused on the person playing it sort of thing. Absolutely. You nailed um, it. Why is that a thing that you're so dedicated to? Hmm. There's, there's a lot to it. And um, I don't think I've shared everything and I probably will keep a little bit close to the vest, but um, some of it is simple comfort for me. And it really is much more comfortable for me this individual to get up there like this and play because I feel invisible. I feel like no one's home and, and that invites something so much more than I could ever be as a person. Um, It's almost like getting the individual the fuck out of the way. So something bigger can take over. Sure. That's a huge part of it. And whether it's a psychological um, little game I'm playing with myself to get there or whatever, um, it works, you know, it's, it's really good. It just kind of, I can forget anybody and, and I, I can immerse into the music more myself like this. And it's funny because I was trying to really take the individual who wrote the songs out of the songs and just let the music be, but I know, and by dressing like this, but I also know that by dressing like this, it kind of, could put an individual or a brand up there and it's it's i'm not trying to be a freak or anything i'm just trying to hide <laughs> or sure disappear and um it, it's hard but i i guess i realized too that it's it has separated me as well and it has worked in so many great ways and right. um, watch the space maybe i'll be changing it and different things like right Evolve. Yes, absolutely. I like that idea, though, of like how that's a piece of the art, a piece of the experience of, Mm -hmm. you know, you're you're taking the individual out of the art. I like how you said that. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's um, Mm -hmm. that's an interesting ripple to Mm -hmm. watching you perform 
mm. or even like your music videos that you have. Mm. Um, do you think that like where how much I guess the question is, how much do you think about those other pieces of the product that you're putting out? Because obviously the musical part, you have that down. Yeah. But the yeah. other pieces of that, how does that fit into to what your vision is for Harkness? Well, it's interesting because I think I'm I've gone almost full circle. So when I was alone in the studio, um, dressed in my pajamas or whatever, uh, making this music and making the occasion and even shout of the beauty, it's my favorite place and it's just unbelievably focused. It's exactly where I want to be. It's exactly where I feel I should be and all that stuff. And then when I finally decided, well, it's time to share this, what I'm doing or compelled to share it and um, learning about social media and posting and then song art and videos and stuff like that. I mean, it wasn't anything I was overly excited about doing and, but I got into it because it was another way to express yourself and I met great people to collaborate with and all that kind of stuff. So it's right. been an unbelievable trip, but I feel like I've spent more time on that kind of stuff than I wanted to. And I'm just dying to be more focused on recording. Um, so I'm going to continue that stuff. But I think there's a part of me that, that feels like I might shut a lot of it down comparatively because I've been very active for two or three years, constantly posting videos and things. There's a huge part of me that just wants to shut the freaking door right. to everything and get, get really into it. Um, but, but having spoken to so many other artists and managers, and I mean, I'm someone who, when I decided to, to want to share the music, I called music lawyers, I called managers, I called PR people, I called DJs, I called everybody you could possibly talk to about every aspect of everything. And then I started moving forward. Right. Before I didn't do a thing until I spoke to just every expert I could find, including other bands. But because the music landscape's changing so much, it's, whoa, you know, that worked last year, what's working this year? It's been an unbelievable trip. It's been an incredible trip. Um, but it got me a little bit off recording as much as I like to do. Mm -hmm. Well, but even, every sorry every single aspect of it super important and i i know it's a um it's what is it there's there's a word i use um it's non that stuff is non-negotiable it has to come with it at least until you get somewhere right you have to do it i have to do this totally like the, the promotion of music now is just so vast like it yes. it, it goes so much further than just what we were saying earlier, like putting out a poster on the street and hoping someone comes to your show. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, with, with something that you uh, have said in the past as well, you said you started releasing music when you were still waiting tables and you would come back and this was your passion project. But I think what's so interesting about working in like the service industry, for instance, full of artists, full of people who are in that exact same situation. So have you ever met anybody while like waiting a table or working in a restaurant or anything like that that you're like, wow, like I'm so happy I met you because now I'm on the path I am on now. Oh man. Well, I will say that about the documentary filmmaker, this director, Masha, who's a little genius. It's just the craziest thing. You know, you talk, you hear about people like talented people and lots of us don't make it. You know, they don't get there and sometimes it just takes a break or, or a chance meeting and there's so many of those in Bob Dylan's life or whoever you read about and there's these moments and um, this happened with her, I would say undoubtedly. I mean, 
it's so difficult to make any waves in the music business, no matter what you're wearing or how great you sound or any of that stuff. And I meet this young lady doing ketchups beside me, you know, like in this random, random environment. And we hadn't even spoken much before then, but um, she used a little bit of what do you do? And I told her and I asked her what she did. And she was in finishing her last year of um, her master's in documentary filmmaking. She did a short five minute project on me. And from that, she entered into some uh, breakthrough program where only eight people in all Ontario get in. She got in that. She won the whole contest, which is like 20 grand and got to meet producer after producer who fell in love with Harkness and what I'm doing. And now it's a feature length film with a massive budget and everyone from, well, I, sh you know, I don't even know how much I'm supposed to say, but it's <laughs> yeah. a massive, massive thing um, compared to my life before her and after. And that was in the restaurant industry. Another artist struggling, trying to make it, we bumped right. into each other and we're creating something together. And I'll finish with one last thing about this woman is that I could have met someone making film who didn't relate to me, who didn't see things deeply, who just made films and had nothing better to do. This is a person who's incredibly deep and knowledgeable and passionate and we met and it's just been amazing. It's been unbelievable. Yeah, when, uh, when can we expect that documentary to start rolling out some of its um, trailers? I, I think there's um, like we're still filming, which is crazy, but it's been about three years of filming and wow. uh, we're going to do we're going to film the whole UK trip, which is really exciting. Very cool. But it's probably looking at um, a December of 2023, I think. And I won't name names of festivals. And it's really difficult to get into festivals. And, you know, we're hopeful. So we'll see if the, the film actually has a life. But my God, the footage she's got is is gold. I'm telling you, it's gold. Yeah. And so it's for it. gonna be, be killer. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, hopefully people see it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll have to keep tabs on that and uh, and get you back on the show when that's happening. But well, may the, I just uh, say, her name is Masha. The director's name is Masha. She's fantastic. Awesome. That's great. Um, another thing that I I think is interesting about uh, your music, just to kind of go back to come and get it a little bit. Sure. Tons of influences you hear on that album, right? Like it's an amalgamation of some of the best songwriters of, you know, the last 100 years. And I have seen that you, big John Lennon fan. Oh yeah, yes. Big Brian Wilson fan. We know you're a big Prince fan, which we're gonna talk about a little bit more. But you said recently in another interview that your favorite artist right now is Beethoven. Oh, okay. Is that still the case? Hmm. Well, I mean, it's kind of silly to call uh, favorites, but Beethoven was, you know, one of the first rock and roll dudes ever, man. The way he kicked ass was taken no prisoners back then and did things his way. I mean, everything about the man. And then you listen to the epicness of his music is just, oh, my effing God. Right. So, yeah, one of, <laughs> one of my favorites at the moment. I find it really bizarre that with some a piece of his for example you put the needle on and and suddenly it's and that's just a d going on a whole note but there's something there's something so magical about some of these dudes and just and they seem to get more and more bottomless yeah for sure i like the i think the interesting thing with uh some of the artists that you've mentioned before that are influence 
Um, I think maybe that's uh, what people like to do a lot is, is talk about influence of many, many years ago, right? We're talking like 60s and 70s music. But I think there's also a lot of influence from the 90s and the 2000s that appears in your music as well. So with that being said, is there anybody from that era, from later eras that you're like, this is someone I, I really respect their work. I really want to acknowledge that they're a piece of, of my journey as well. Hmm. Well, even people like Bjork and Radiohead, I mean, it's it's the singular bullheaded artist that I love, whether they seep into my music or not. I mean, Bjork, you would never know it, but absolutely major influence. Uh, Tom York and Radiohead, fucking hell, like you put their stuff on, the molecules in the room change. It's, it's so... I could only dare to dream of that, right? right. Like there's just so many inspiring artists out there and they tend to be those dudes that are slightly off the left that, that sometimes sweep through the mainstream and then back onto the other side. Right. Um, there, there is an old band called Jellyfish. Do you know Jellyfish? Oh yeah. Yeah, so Jellyfish. Um, Jellyfish I heard way back and uh, that had a huge, like uh, it was kind of right up my alley, like Jesus, someone's knocking on the same door as I am. Right. And I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I, I So I've gone to just about everyone you could possibly imagine, uh, any concert, whether it's Prince or Brian Wilson, any, and I've been at the backstage store with my CD or my USB Wayne right. coin from the Flame Lips and trying to hand it to all these people. I ended up getting in the hands of Roger Manning from Jellyfish, who was playing with Beck. And um, nobody ever got back to me that I gave it to Brian Wilson. Of course, he's not going to get back to me kind of thing. But um, Roger Manning, many months later, got back and said, oh, my God, I just listened to it. I've been listening to it on repeat. And it was four songs, sort of ballads, I think. I think Moonspell was on there, Defibrillator, because I kind of know it was tailor-made for him, what he might enjoy. And uh, he said, please keep them going. Uh, keep them coming if you have anything else. So that was years ago. And he and I now have a relationship. Wow. And and when Beck comes to town, he gets me the backstage pass and free tickets and hang out with Roger. And I fucking love his music right. and love the guy. And he's the nicest guy on the planet and so talented. So this it's so but that's the another thing like hey you artists like get your ass off the couch right. get out there and do everything you possibly can and then shit happens totally and i well even with some of the people you mentioned there too like definitely true with bjork certainly true with radiohead kind yeah. of the like modern like kings and, and queens of uh unusual song structure right yeah and yeah. how mm-hmm. that can still um maybe maybe like lend itself to almost like pop music in a way it's certainly with uh with radiohead mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. i think that's uh i i had a feeling you were probably going to say radiohead but <laughs> yeah I, I, I the bjork one is is definitely super interesting too and i, I love to hear yeah. that as well yeah. um but i i mean everyone loves kurt cobain's writing and all that i mean equally equally is impressed by his terrorizing rocking as I am by Beethoven. Like I really am. I, he blows my mind. So, and it, the list goes on and on back as yeah. well. I know always a hard question. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. name one person. It's uh, it's never that easy, but um, so last, last thing I'll just ask before we get into your influence you brought today, which is Prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you talked a little bit about the unusual sounds that you've used on uh, your music before with uh, the uh, um, come and get it. You had uh, some coins dropping in some buckets of water. You had dogs barking. 
Um, mm-hmm. Is there a sound that you've heard out in the wild that you're like, oh, I can't wait to get this on the next record. This is a sound that I can put into my music. Hmm. Uh, definitely, without a doubt. I mean, just about every sound that's out there, and <laughs> it goes for the cliche: the car horns do that, and harmony, and all that kind right. of thing. Um, the river running and streams, but often you'll hear, uh, like I walk in the ravine a lot to just completely disappear and become everything and space out. And sometimes you just hear these tones in the air, these hums that are, you don't even know where they're from. And those are the things that I, gosh, like I, I would love to layer those for an intro. Like, what is that? And get a whole bunch of tones. So sometimes it's just those atmospheric tones that sometimes are around us. Right. That I that I would love, but that's harder stuff to to mic. Um, but you know, footsteps, everything. You know, I've used I've used some already, but mm-hmm. nice things like um, when I was working at the restaurant and I was doing um, Tornado, one of the songs on yep. the thing, um, the, the cappuccino machine when the foaming. Okay. Like, to put that under the wind because partially is like I'm in the weeds I'm in hell at this restaurant I've got a million things I'm making and cappuccinos slow me down it's ooh, that's part of the fucking tornado as far as I'm concerned so right and the water jugs it a lot I guess everything that's in my environment that you constantly hear the water that swirls around and it being like there's so many sounds that I'm 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 gonna be stealing those water jugs I already know it and even clanging them <laughs> I've been playing with all, all the sounds that are around at the restaurant, you know? Yeah, I, I love that approach to music of mm-hmm. having, uh, you know, everything's an instrument, that sort of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's a refreshing thing that used to happen way more frequently, right? And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. pet sounds, mm-hmm. obviously, with Brian Wilson being such oh, a big part uh, of that. But, yeah. uh, Do you think that it's just the convenience factor that spoiled things, the convenience of a, a, a sampler and a drum machine, and it's just yeah. people got lazy? Certainly, I think that's part. I mean, you know, convenience and, and uh, having stuff at your fingertips is the death of so many awesome mm-hmm. things, and music mm-hmm. is no different. Um, but I do think there. it's kind of like vinyl records, right? Like it's the convenience of having Apple music or Spotify or whatever. So, so simple to just put that on your Bluetooth speaker and you're playing, mm-hmm. but there is something about this vinyl Renaissance that we're seeing. Thank God. Where it's kind of like, you know, like you still can't quite get that sound. You still can't replace the crackles. You still can't do all these little things mm-hmm. about the physical mm-hmm. nature of engaging with music and putting it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think mm-hmm. there's something to creating music in that sort of environment as well mm-hmm. uh that is just irreplaceable right it's what yeah. we were saying earlier like synthesized drum sounds you can tell and sometimes when the song it, it calls for it awesome it sounds amazing yeah absolutely but, and they're you know? fantastic they can be amazing yeah i'll say one quick thing about the vinyl thing so sure. i had never heard my music on vinyl necessarily there's a really old single but um and I've been used to the digital realm, listening to playback and mixing and stuff like that. And I finally got the vinyl. I put it on, and it really it was it was unbelievable. It was right. like taking a warm bath water of my music for the first time. It's like ah, oh, like this, so palpably warm and beautiful. Like it really turned me on. I was so glad I made the vinyl. Right. And, uh, I I knew that about vinyl, but hearing your own music, really, it was profound. It's like holy fuck, that's the best I've ever heard it. 
Totally. And I think that's mm-hmm. so many musicians experience when they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I've, I've got my, here it is, my first vinyl record. Like, yeah, it's, exactly. it's mine. It's, yeah. it's there. And um, there's something to that that, you know, you don't get with your first album on Spotify, <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah, or CD or whatever. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, hey, I think that's an awesome opportunity to jump to your uh, artist of influence. Mm-hmm. And the artist of influence mm-hmm. you brought today is uh, Prince, obviously a legend in his own right. Uh, I'm not sure if the purple outfit is a shout out to Prince or not. It's not. It, it was to, to be truthful. When I made this gown and with no budget, no money, I knew someone who knew a, a seamstress, and there was two choices of fabric in the store. One was like a shit colored brown, and the other one was this <laughs> lavender. Was like, right. Okay, I'll go with that one. It right. Was, it was it wasn't a choice at that point. Yeah. <laughs> it shows me, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, you know, happy with it. it yeah. It happened to be okay. I'm glad I didn't have to think about the, the color, to be honest. Um, right. That, that's that's what happened. Well, an unintentional homage to Prince either way. Absolutely. And, uh, Absolutely. The album that you brought is 1988's Love Sexy. Yes. Um, super interesting choice. Tell me a little bit about why Love Sexy is uh, is your, uh, we call it a spicy staple here, a spicy staple of influence. So um, mm-hmm. why is Love Sexy such a spicy staple for you? Wow, it's a loaded album with so much about it um, that's going for it. I think partially is the undercurrent of all the songs and how much they're woven together with this same fucking bombastic, passionate love. Like it feels, um, gosh, I, I don't mean to just be cliche and throw that love world word around, but I, I get the feeling that this was a real passion play for Prince. I think that everything he did was, but some of it you can feel, oh, he's throwing singles and diamonds and pearls is a little bit more, right. uh, sounds like he's almost conscious of PR and things like this. This sounds like like a guy going in a hole and saying, I have to make this album or I'll die. It right. just sounds so sincerely committed to his belief system, which I hate that fucking whole concept, but, his heart, maybe I shouldn't say belief system, but his his heart sounds so true on that one from head to toe. And musically on top of that, it sounds more committed and deep and layered. There's so much more going, there's so many layers. And uh, I just think it's a masterpiece by a master artist. And I think it's his, his uh, greatest calling card, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's, I love this pick because, you know, when you ask someone, uh, spicy staple, thing of influence, the nervousness of having an artist just come back with like, you know, a, a widely loved, widely heralded album. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I guess we're just going to talk about, you know, like the Black Album for uh, like 10, 10 minutes, or we're going to talk about Revolver for 10 minutes, or we're going to yeah. talk, you know, whatever. Exactly. Album. And exactly. it's like, okay, cool. Like, we'll, we'll do that. But it's awesome when you pick an album that in, I guess the easiest way to say it has tons of controversy, controversy attached to Mm -hmm. it, especially Mm -hmm. at the time it came out. Mm -hmm. Um, It was not very well received commercially. It Uh was uh, considered to be um, lots of people thought Prince was losing his touch a little bit um, compared to, you know, the heyday of his early uh, eighties kind of moments. Um, I couldn't disagree more though. Right. Yeah, but that that's what's so cool about it is in hindsight yeah. you can look back and be like, no, nah, there was something happening here. Like this was at the at the precipice of, of some of the really cool nineties prints work we got. Mm-hmm. Um and also an, another interesting thing about the love sexy kind of uh timeline is it 
was arguably his most successful tour that he went on. Um, mm. Had mm. some of his coolest videos that are still circulating on YouTube that people love to love to still watch to this day. So I mm -hmm. think it's such an interesting album that you, you chose. Mm. Um, is there a song or a couple of songs that really stand out to you that make this such a significant album for you? Yeah, there are several. And, and one more way to put it too is I think it was Prince at the peak of his powers, passion wise, um, writing wise, everything about it sounds like a guy at his peak to me. Right. Just so strong. Um, but gosh, Anastasia, which is that very one of the loneliest place on earth kind of things that just flowers by the end into right. the most warm universe possible from the tiniest to the biggest. Like it's an incredible arrangement. Right. Always blows my mind. And the subtlety and the things he's weaving through, it's just just uh draw dropping. Uh there's there's uh, that tune love sexy itself yep. uh, it's just it's just the vibe is so good i mean you can't not walk and feel something something that's put in a wind behind you when you're listening to that kind of power coming from him right. that glam slam tune i don't know if you're aware of the album yeah. yeah glam slam tune is kind of a little nuttier song until the outro he just goes into this the harmony and the the choices of power again that to me are just unlocking these other places as opposed to some of his singles he, yeah. it just sounded like he wanted to go further and say more and glam slam outro is another case of that where it's like oh my god i'm i'm, I'm resonating with this twisted thing that wants to burst out of a cocoon even with these minor notes and just teeth and love right so Glam Slam, I love always the whole album. I, I really, really enjoy. Totally. Um, yeah, Alphabet I, Street being a single. You know, they're yes, all. I was just all, about to say Glam Slam coming right after Alphabet Street. Genius! Such a um, such a great layout of such a great structure of that album. How he uh, put it together that way. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a killer album. Totally. Um, one thing I, I completely forgot about as well when talking about controversy with the album, um, the album cover at the time was shunned by like tons of different music yeah. stores because Prince is on the front of it completely nude, which, you know, in hindsight now in 2022 is hilarious because that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, at 50% yeah. of every album cover is someone nude. So, um, mm -hmm. but at the time, such a big deal. And they used to wrap it in black, uh, in black cloth. So you couldn't see the album cover, which, uh, which is funny because then he later released an album called the black album, Exactly. which, uh, yeah. which I'm not sure if there was a relationship with that or, or if that was inspired by that. I, you know, sure. I, I'll give you a little bit of insight for sure. And this is a well-known fact among Prince fans, I think is that he had recorded the, uh, the black album first. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. He, he recorded the black album and apparently had some, he was about to, um, it was already pressed up. It was already shipped and it was just about to drop days before it dropped. He called the record company and said, I don't want it out. There's something evil on it something evil going on there. I don't feel good about it. I'm doing something else. And he did a sharp turn. Apparently he had an epiphany and all sorts of things in his life at that moment. And he said, the album I got to make is love sexy. Pull the blackout. I have to make this album. And he made the love sexy. And of course, like you said, it was kind of shunned by critics and people hit it behind the counter and yeah, we have it, but you can't see it kind of. Right. Um, 
And once he did that, a little while later, he relaxed and, and said, okay, I've said what I really need to say. Now I can put out anything. Right. Yeah. And and I guess Black Album came out in the 90s at some point. I can't remember. Yeah. But, quite a bit later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, very cool. Well, such a cool album to bring. Um, cool. I guess uh, for to kind of wrap up where, where we've come now is what's next for Harkness? What, uh, what is your vision? It can be you know, six months from now when this tour is over. It can be... Mm -hmm. six years from now 60 years from now it doesn't matter what is the uh the vision that you have for harkness gosh well i'd like to be 10 years from now even looking back at just an incredible discography whether it's five or six albums and and like really bulletproof solid head-to-toe stuff of course we all strive for that but i i hear it like i i know i know what's coming and hopefully there'll be an audience for it. I, I know I dig it, but, um, but also I feel like after that, I'm just going to be starting. Like I know there's another complete phase and that might be way less um, palatable for some people, but I just think there's so much more around past these five albums that are kind of on the way. Um, yeah. I want to be in 10 years looking back at an really solid discography and knowing that that it's just starting like there's there's way more happening yeah definitely that's awesome well yeah have fans here at servant sonic and we can't wait to hear more about the documentary and see what's coming next all this music that you're sitting on we uh, hope that uh, you release it soon for our sake <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and i hope that the tour goes awesome because uh, it sounds like it's it's going to have a lot of cool opportunities yeah 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 very very exciting times and I'll look forward to a little hibernating in the winter too after <laughs> a bit of a relaxed time after all this hustle you're doing. Um, I have to compliment you on how well researched you appear. This is such a pleasure and the way you brought things in and you're, it wasn't coming from nowhere. Everything had a perp. You're amazing. So I appreciate. Oh, well, thank you so mm. much. We, we try our best here at servants. So I appreciate sure. it. And uh, sure. we'll get you back on the show um, hopefully soon. And in the meantime, uh, it was a blast. So thanks so much, Harkness. Right. My pleasure. Thank okay. you, man. Take care. Talk to you later. Bye bye. I'm going down to Alphabet Street. I'm gonna crown. First girl that I meet, I'm gonna talk. So